Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there will be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. But I personally lean into it with myself and my clients is this concept of a title sponsorship. So that's when you pitch to a sponsor to purchase a certain number of episodes. I like to aim for... Welcome to How to Get Your First 100,000 Podcast Listeners, where we talk about the very granular how-to tactics, as well as the big picture thinking you need to grow and multiply your listener base. My name is Luis Diaz. Let's dive in. Angie, thank you for being with me. I know we, uh, we've known each other for about a year. I've seen you do some different things in the podcasting space, but I've always had you as pinned as my go-to or like one of my one or two go-tos for monetization, specifically with sponsorships. Now, uh, pretty much everyone listening to this likely uh, is has been in a position before where they're like, I wonder if I can get a sponsor for my podcast. Maybe it's gone on, that thought has hung on their head for like months or years. Maybe it was just a flash in the pan. But I wanted to have you on to have an honest conversation around the realities around sponsorships, how they work, um, who is best suited for them, and how to go about actually getting your first sponsor. So yeah, thanks for being here. I will do my best. I, like I was kind of saying before we jumped on, I don't claim to be like the best, most experienced expert in sponsorships. But from what I know from my own experience and working with clients and especially from having guests on my podcast who are mm-hmm. open and vulnerable enough to share their experience with monetization, I feel like I have a pretty good rounded understanding to at least give some right. sort of insight here. So thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. And, and yeah, so are you still in nashville i remember you being in nashville at one at one point in time um which is like the music mecca hate like music haven but um yeah i guess before diving in let's dive into kind of like your background in music and then i'd love to see how that's parlayed into podcast sponsorships and everything else yeah so i've been in nashville for about 15 years i've like lost track at this point (laughs) um but like you mentioned i moved here to be in the music business i spent most of my career managing artists so for anyone who's not familiar, um, it seems so glamorous to be an artist manager because you see these shows like Entourage and you look at E and, and you're like, oh, they just like hang out and party all the time. But that's actually not at all the case. Like, yes, it's true that the manager is the closest 
business relationship to the artist, but they also carry the most responsibility. And so artist management is a 24-7 lifestyle career. Like in all of my 20s, I don't think I turned off my cell phone once because I just wasn't allowed to. Like there's no time off, no breaks. I mean, you have time off, but it's really not time off. (laughs) You always have to be available to your clients and to your bosses. And I started to realize about 10 years into working in the music business that I don't want this for the rest of my life. Like I don't mind working hard. I actually love working hard and I love creative projects and I love growing as a person and growing businesses, but it didn't compute in my brain to work 24 seven to build someone else's empire. And I know a lot of listeners can probably relate to that in any industry that you're in. Um, And for me, I just felt that entrepreneurial pull that I've always had. Um, and I thought eventually I would, you know, become a partner at the company or start my own management company. But even then, even the partners, they're still working for somebody else's career and somebody else's generational wealth. And so I knew I just made a decision. It was like in 2018 or so that I wanted to start my own business. And I had no idea what that looked like. But through a long series of events, that's like a crazy story, but it'll take way too much time to tell. um, I was essentially offered a deal to be signed by another management company as their first ever podcasting client. And around that time, is when the pandemic hit. So we ended up not being able to do that project, but that's what pushed me into podcasting. I ended up staying at the company I was with and building out with the partner, one of the founding partners of the company, we built out a podcast division. And so for that first year of the pandemic, I really like hit the ground running, learning everything I possibly could about podcasting and putting some really cool deals together with our clients. And then at the end of that first year, when we started to put back up all of our tours, it just made sense for me to kind of take that department and finally, you know, two years after I had quit, technically (laughs) leave the company and start my own brand and business in podcasting. Super cool. Okay. So you had firsthand, like hands-on experience dealing with, you know, these artists and and setting up like podcast sponsorships or podcast deals with them. Um, Let's just go through the terminology because I'm sure like podcast sponsorships, like there's different types of sponsorships um, and different ways you can structure those deals. So um, it's, this is just kind of where my brain's going. Like, let's start off by like, just defining like, like different types of sponsorships that you've seen. Um, And then maybe just hit on like some of like the most common ones for podcasters who are you know, they have a business, but they also have a podcast that's related to their business, be it like a, you know, a dog training business, you know, as a random example, you know, um, yeah, let's work through that. And then we can definitely go into some fun stuff from there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different ways you can sponsor a podcast. I mean, it's the wild, wild west still, we're still early stages in podcasting. It seems like podcasting has been around forever, but really we're all just still figuring it out as we go. Um, and so I know your audience in particular, you do speak to a lot of online coaches and really successful business owners. And what I see, especially in the early stages when your download numbers aren't incredibly high, um, a lot of business owners will sponsor their own podcasts by promoting their own products and services. And that's a really awesome way to get clients. It's a really awesome way to build authority. It's an awesome way to test your offers. And that's really cool um, because from what I've seen in my experience, sponsors aren't really interested in working with podcasters on a CPM basis, which means according to the number of downloads you have. 
they're not really interested in that until you hit like around 10,000 downloads an episode, which is a lot of freaking downloads. Like you yeah. come into podcasting thinking like, oh, that's easy because you hear ads on all of these big podcasts. But in reality, that's such a small, small, small fraction of all the podcasts out there that actually ever get to that number. So a lot of podcasters, they sponsor their own podcasts. Um, for smaller podcasts, my second favorite way to monetize through sponsorships with working with a brand is yeah. something that I haven't seen very often, but I personally lean into it with myself and my clients is this concept of a title sponsorship. So that's when you pitch to a sponsor to purchase a certain number of episodes. I like to aim for 20 episodes or 40 episodes and you create a whole package that you present to them and you price that package and then you negotiate from there. And so for that, you're gonna put like their title on the cover art. You're gonna give them a title mention at the beginning of each episode. So for instance, you're listening to the Podfluencer Society podcast presented by Beacons, you know, um, you give them a mid-roll ad in your episode. You give them the link in the show notes. You give them a social media post, you know, depending on your follower count on whatever platform, um, you can lump that in. You can give them a mention in your newsletter. There's all of these different things. It just depends on what sellable assets do you have for this brand surrounding your podcast and how can you package that all together so that you can sell it to a brand and they're not necessarily paying for those download impressions, but they're paying for the ability to be fully integrated with a brand that's already speaking to their dream buyers. So that's Although your download numbers aren't aren't as high, it's still super valuable to them. So I really, really love title sponsorships. Um, and then also as you're still growing, you can also, depending on your hosting platform, you can take advantage of what's called programmatic ads, which are those 30-second ads you hear in podcasts that kind of sound like radio ads. Right. You know, like the Geico ones. Yeah. It's like right. a, you know. And those pay at a really low CPM. I mean, my podcast, I will say my podcast makes about 20 bucks a month from programmatic ads. It's like nothing at all. Um, and I get about 1,500 downloads a month. But it's still very encouraging in the early stages because you're making something and it doesn't take a lot of work. You just put the ad markers and then they're filled based on whatever inventory is available. And it really just gives you a goal to work towards like, oh, I made $20 this month. Let me see if I can make $25 next month or or what whatever you're working towards. And it also is a great way to fill in the gaps. So the last way that I'll mention in working with sponsors is traditional host read ads. So those pay at a higher CPM than programmatic ads, but they're going to require a little bit more work from the podcaster. So that's when you hear the podcaster themselves actually reading the ads. And those, when it comes to inventory, it's really rare that you're always going to have your inventory filled from those high rate CPM host read ads. Um, and so the programmatic ads are a really good way to fill in the gap. And then the title sponsorship is icing on the cake. Um, and then, of course, your own products and services factor into all of that as well. Got it. I think this is a question I've seen or heard, and I've, I've had it myself as well. Would you recommend somebody doing both selling their own product? Let's say they have a course that's $5,000, selling that course maybe through an outro or through a mid-roll in addition to having a sponsor. Would those... Would those would that be kind of a no-no for you in your eyes or would it be tough to like really entice a sponsor to say, 
yes, this is worthy for me? Or have you seen that work? Oh, 100%. That's what I see mostly happening. <laughs> um, I mean, a good example, I would say, have you ever listened to the Boss Babe podcast? Not in a while. I think okay. I've listened to maybe one or two episodes a few years ago, but yeah. I mean, they're always selling their different memberships, programs, courses, but then at the same time, they'll record ads for the vitamins they use or whatever. I mean, I think that's the ultimate way to do it is just to get a mix of everything you offer. And that way you can get really specific with what your audience actually wants from you because they they do want to hear about your new memberships if that's the kind of content that you serve on your podcast. And then at the same time, they do want to hear about your favorite products. So it's just, I think in my eyes, more more importantly than that, what you just mentioned about like being careful not to mix maybe, I would say really just consider what actually is serving your audience. And if it's not serving your audience, then don't put it in your podcast. Huge, huge. Let's go over an example of that. Like, yeah, you have any examples of that? Of, of, is it serving them or is it not? Or is, it, is it a simple question like, hey, is this content, is this product on in alignment with what I'm talking about in my podcast? Is there more to it than that? Or I would say it's going to be different for everybody. Um, for instance, let's say my podcast, for example, like I, I have a title partnership with a company called Beacons, which makes perfect sense. It's a link in bio. It's actually so many different things. It's a link in bio. It's a media kit builder. Um, it's an email marketing platform, lead magnet generator. I mean, so it does so many things, but most people know it as just a link in bio. If they've ever heard of it before, they think it's only a link in bio. And so because my podcast speaks to podcasters who are creators looking to build thriving brands and business businesses around their podcast and Beacons is trying to reach creators, that's a perfect partnership. Although you might not think right away that if I speak to podcasters, I would be partnered so intimately with a link in bio tool. Does that make sense? So I I think you can definitely get creative. Um, and also, I would also be comfortable running an ad for my favorite vitamin, right? Because like my audience also knows through my content, through getting to know me as a person that like health and wellness is important to me. But it maybe wouldn't make sense to promote, I don't know, something that they know I'm not into, right? <laughs> I can't even think of an example, but you would know for your own podcast. <laughs> Got it. Okay, cool. So that, that makes total sense. Um, when is it? Like, is there a, is it too early? Like, so I get this question a lot and I've, I've answered it multiple ways. So I want to actually ask you this is, is there a, is it too early for someone? To, is there a time where someone is, you know, just too young in their podcasting journey to start promoting a sponsor or to start seeking out those sponsorships? No, I don't think you can be too young. I would say download numbers wise. I mean, it's really just going to be different for everybody because it depends. What do you have to package? What assets do you have? So if you're an influencer on Instagram, but you start a podcast and you don't yet have a lot of downloads because it's kind of new, I would package together how you can help to promote, you know, record your host read ads, do whatever you're going to do for the sponsor, but then also package into it what you can also do to support their brand on Instagram. So just getting really creative and figuring out what is sellable. And then the key is packaging it in a way that makes sense to sponsors because the marketing reps that you're going to be speaking to, a lot of them have never advertised on podcasts before. They may not even have any interest in advertising on podcasts because if they don't listen to podcasts themselves, they don't really get it, right? It'd be like me. Me. Okay. For instance, I know how valuable of real estate it is on Twitch, 
right? Like people advertise on Twitch. I have logged into Twitch like one time for a client, like way back in the day. I have no interest in Twitch. If someone came to me asking me to advertise on Twitch, I would probably say no, just because I don't feel like figuring it out, right? And a lot of people who get incoming requests from podcasters feel exactly the same way. And so it's your job if you're going to be pitching your podcast to make it as easy as possible to understand not only what they're buying, but also understand the value, like give them some data about what kind of age range is listening to your podcast and are they male or female? And if you can like any kind of data you can give them about your audience is going to be hugely helpful. Angie, where did you find your sponsor? Was it like a LinkedIn outreach? Did you just know them from like, um, you just, you know, around just like the, you know, marketing water cooler, like how did you find yours and how do you typically when you're going to search for a client, let's just say, um, what does that process look like for you? There's a lot of different ways to approach it. Um, for me, what's worked best is getting to know brands in person. So whether meeting a brand rep at a live conference or, um, for instance, when I was building out the podcast division, I, I was really lucky because we had a partnerships person at the management company. And so he had some brand contacts that were interested in advertising on podcasts, but they just didn't know how. And so he would send them to me and we would put together this beautiful title sponsorship and they would be happy and the client would be happy. But it all came from that head of our partnerships division, nurturing that relationship. And then over time, there just happened to be an opportunity. And that's the same thing that recently happened with my current presenting sponsor, Beacons. I had been in touch with Beacons for a while. It had to have been about a year just talking to them about one day, maybe there'll be a perfect way for us to work together. I just love your company. They loved me as a creator. And when I had this opportunity for a title sponsorship, I brought it to them. I think originally they said no, they didn't have it in the budget. But then I presented it, I think, a different way. And they took it to the higher ups in the company. And that started a conversation. And we negotiated from there and boom, it was done. But again, that was a year of nurturing this relationship. So if you're brand new to sponsorships and you don't, you don't, aren't going to conferences, you don't have in-person local meetups where brands might be present. Like I totally get that. So what I always have all of my clients do before we go pitch to brands from scratch, like cold pitching, is you create a spreadsheet and I actually have a template that I can share the link for your audience so they don't have to create this from scratch. But what I have and what I'll offer your audience is it's a spreadsheet that lists every category you can think of that you're probably already using all the way from the brand of your toothpaste to the makeup you use or the software that you use in your online business or your tires that you use on your car, your make model of your car, like all these different categories that you can possibly think of. And then from there, you there's three columns. So there's first choice brand, second choice, third choice. And in all those different categories, you write down all of your favorite brands. And then once that's done, and it is time consuming to do, but it's so worth it because not only is that helpful for you, because once you have that huge list, now you can prioritize where do you want to start pitching. And then number two, if you were to sign, let's say in a year, your podcast blows up and you go to work with an advertising agency, that data, that is gold 
to whoever's pitching on your behalf because they can hit the ground running. They don't have to try to like figure out what brands you would want to work with. Like it's all there for them. So it's so worth your time. Even this, where I got this idea was back in the music business. This is what our clients would do when their agencies would be pitching on their behalf for integrations or whatever it is. They, they would always have their clients fill this out. And it was just so brilliant and so helpful for all of us on the management team as well. Right. That is a brilliant idea. And I, and I know my, my audience is going to love that spreadsheet <laughs> as well as myself. Um, so we'll definitely have that linked in the show notes um, as well. So if you're on YouTube, just scroll down to the description box and we'll make sure that we get that um, down there. And if you're just listening and you don't know how to find show notes, I'll just say it audibly too. It's easy to remember. It's podfluencerproducts.com forward slash match, M-A-T-C-H. Perfect. Podfluencer.com forward slash match. Podfluencerproducts.com. Oh, products. Forward slash match because it's the brand <laughs> match. Got it. Got it. Love it. And actually, we'll just overlay that here in the bottom, bottom thirds. Cool. Uh, that is super helpful. I never thought of just going outside of like, you know, just the podcast product. So myself as a person who's talked to a similar audience, I never thought of going outside of the Riverside to the Captivates or other similar companies, but that makes total sense where there's tons of tools in our business or things we do and use that could be potential sponsorships. And that brings up a really good point because me too, if you were to think about what brands you would think I should be pitching to it is the same ones you mentioned, but they're getting so many pitches most likely from podcasters just like us. And so when you think outside of the box a little bit about all these other things that you use, it really differentiates you. And for example, if I had talked about how much I love Colgate toothpaste on my podcast a few times and I have these clips to send to Colgate, that could be kind of cool for them because they don't advertise on a lot of podcasts speaking to creators probably. So this is a whole other angle. And if you pitch it the right way, it's something they might consider. No, absolutely. And that um, that's just a unique th way to think of it because those companies, like you're saying, they're less traffic, there's less competition there. And they're probably looking for like UGC content or user-generated content that could help them with their marketing and those companies have massive budgets anyways. So yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's easier, um, to and work sometimes with those it's harder to work with the, the massive budgets yeah, because more red tight. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times those bigger companies, they just want impressions. They don't really care. So those are the companies that are hiring voiceover artists and they're I recording see. what we insert as programmatic ads. So they don't really want to waste their time figuring out these small dinky host red deals. <laughs> right. True. So true. it's easier and harder at the same time. It just depends who you happen to talk to at the company. In 2023 with the economy and all kinds of things you see on the headlines is sponsorships. Are sponsorships still a viable method of monetizing a podcast? Are there, you see it increasing, um, decreasing? Where does that look like for you from where you're, from where you're sitting? From what I've seen, absolutely. We are just getting started. We're just growing. I think brand deals in general across the board, not just podcasting, but like in general, brands realize now the power of influencer marketing because we work so hard to build these really attentive audiences and they just get to tap into it with their money. So it's super valuable. One thing I will say though is the amount of money that you can make through sponsorships on your podcast is going to fluctuate month to month because there's slow seasons, there's good seasons, and 
I just want to be really clear from what I've noticed and all the research I've done and the friends that I've spoken to, um, what you think you'll make if you do the math, okay, and you say, okay, I have seven ad slots to fill in this episode, and I have just to make easy math, a thousand downloads per episode, and I'm selling $20 CPM for every slot, then that means I'm making $140 per episode, right? And then you times that by however many thousands you actually have on each episode, and it looks pretty good. Like the math ends up looking pretty good. But in reality, you have to slice that into like 20%. I don't know the actual percentage. But to give you an idea, I recently spoke to a friend who he gets um, a million downloads a month on his podcast. And you would think he would be making like $140,000 a month if you did that kind of math. But in reality, his low months, he's at like 15000 a month. And then his high months, he's at 40000 a month, which wow, I would be happy with 15000 a month. Honestly. <laughs> Same here. Right, right. But at a million downloads, you have to factor that because if that's your revenue goal or if that's your downloads goal for a revenue goal that you have, mm -hmm. you really have to know that like it's really not as great as it seems, but it is still fantastic. And then right. another friend, same exact thing. She gets 500,000 downloads a month, which you would think she would be making 70 grand a month at that math. And she makes around or her lower end months are like, um, or like her average months, I'm sorry, are like 17 grand a month, she said. So wow. still awesome. But, right. <laughs> yeah. but also that's at a huge amount of downloads too, like 500,000 a month. Like that's, I dream of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. So those are good numbers as benchmarks. So people can kind of get an idea of like, here's what it could be. And I'm guessing those are programmatic ads or those are host varies. red host red ads. Okay. Good yeah. to know. I mean, but they do both of those examples that I mentioned, they do mix in programmatic, but the programmatic for them is so low money that they like most of the time you're only going to put those at post roll. You know what I mean? Like if you have extra spots, okay, we'll put some programmatic in. Exactly. Yeah. That, that totally makes sense. Um, in terms of monetizing, I'm trying to make sure we, we cover all of the, the, kind of like the ground questions we covered kind of how to how to go out and find them thank you for the spreadsheet um we've covered the basics of them what am i not asking you about sponsorship that people should know the biggest thing is real and it's so time consuming that's actually one thing to know is pitching on behalf of yourself to brands is a full-time job like if you really want to do it you have to do it right you have to know how to package yourself and sell yourself and you have to know how to negotiate and how much do the math and figure out how much is it actually worth that you're offering and then if it's a title sponsorship upcharge it a little bit because you always want to you know value the whole integration because that's a lot of work that you're doing for the brand and then when you go in to negotiate start a little higher because you're going to come back down. Okay. You're probably not going to get your dream amount from a sponsor and just know that going into it, but you really have to have a business mindset and represent yourself. If you're going to go pitch to brands, you can't just expect the brands to do the work because they're not going to do it. Like they're going to expect you to come to them with something packaged and sellable that they can either say yes or no to very quickly and make your email short. Um, and to the point, and have something prepared to follow up with. So if I were sending a cold pitch, I would send a very short, hey, I am 
I love your brand. I'm obsessed with XX product. I would love to figure out some way to collaborate. But first, I'd love to know what are your marketing priorities? How could I support your efforts? Instead of coming at them saying, will you please give me money? Because <laughs> they're automatically just going to say, what? No, who are you? So once you show them that like you're there to support them and you you you're not even going to send your one sheet or send a deck or anything until you figure out that they're even looking to advertise with anyone like you um that's just going to go a long way um and also just remember that people's inboxes are really full and they're really busy and you know if they're not reaching out to you they're probably spending their time reaching out to somebody else and they have their own follow-ups and it's just like everyone's trying to get a piece of the pie so you just have to be really respectful um personalize every single pitch um and that not only includes the email but when i attach my one sheet in a pitch when it gets to the stage where i'm actually attaching the one sheet i personalize that one sheet to whatever brand I'm speaking to. So I'll put their logo on my one sheet. I'll give them a visual of what their logo looks like on my cover art. And that helps so much too, because then they're like, oh, I get it now. Whereas before they might not get it. That makes sense. That's a great tip there. Just customizing the pitch, customizing the creative there for your your audience would be that, that potential company. This can be more of a tactical question, but when you're talking about packaging and presenting, have you found... I know we, we, we made the spreadsheet full of the names of people, but have you found reaching out via email, LinkedIn, DMs on Instagram, have any of those been more or less successful or did that just like depend on the, on the type of sponsor you're going after? I'm so glad you asked this question. Um, so that's where it gets really tricky. And that's another reason why I say pitching is a full-time job. And you also have to be really patient because finding the right contact for a brand, it's doable, but it takes work. Like they don't just have their email. Nobody has their email just like listed somewhere. Right. And that's why, like I said, meeting in person gives you such an advantage because then they know a face and they like actually know who you are and they may have even given you a business card. So you have their direct email. That's so much easier. Like my best brand deals have definitely come from that. But when you're starting from scratch, like say you have your spreadsheet and you figure out which brands you want to pitch to first and you hunt down an email address, that's just the first step. Like it's probably going to be a while before you even get a response. So follow up tactically, respectfully, professionally, don't hound them, but do figure out ways where you can actually follow up in a way that makes sense. Like maybe you send them an initial email and you don't hear back. I would say like a week from then you could send another one saying, Hey, just making sure this didn't go to your spam, you know? And then if you still don't hear back, maybe consider finding another contact or maybe consider reaching out again when you see that they're doing a marketing push and you just want to like put yourself in the mix again. Um, but like I said, with my current title sponsor beacons, I had been in communication with them for a year before we found something that made sense. So sometimes it does take that, which is why most podcasters don't start working with sponsors until they're at a point where their downloads warrant them working with an agency who already has brand contacts. So because it just makes your job so much easier because those people have already nurtured relationships with brands. So they can just plug you in um, and you obviously have a much higher success rate for filling your spots. But again, at the beginning, it's so possible to get sponsored, but you really have to do a lot of legwork. 
that so you mentioned the marketing like the like the finding a different contact if that person's not the right contact are there certain positions like like chief of marketing or marketing director are there certain roles or titles you're looking for when you're searching um in the beginning Personally, I always go straight to the boss if I can. So whoever's the head head of marketing. And this is something I learned in my time in the music business because people would pitch stuff to the day-to-day managers, which is what I was. And if it wasn't something that was a top priority for us, like we would not ignore it, but we would just kind of respond and say, hey, we'll get back soon. And then whenever we can get back, we will. Right. And you know how it is. Everyone in corporate knows how it is. But if someone would send an email to my boss and if he was interested, he would loop me in and say, Angie, please handle. And then it's like they don't have a choice. No matter how busy they are, they have to pay attention to you. Right. So I always go straight to the boss because if they're interested, they don't have to do any work. They just pass it off to whoever does the work. <laughs> That's a great, great move. And it sounds simple, right? Like go to the boss. But my thought was like, go to the CMO or go to the marketing director because they're probably more in the day-to-day. But now that you said that, it makes a lot more sense as to why you'd go for the biggest person yeah, um, or your biggest <laughs> title you could find. And that I know that will scare a lot of people too. Like a lot of people are scared to message the head of the company you know, or the owner of the company if it's a smaller business. But if you have a good pitch and if you can impress the owner, that's a really great sign. Last thing here, I want to jump back into packaging. And any other specifics around packaging? You mentioned like adding, you know, a couple of different things in there around Instagram or packaging and emails. Are there any things that are like you've done with clients or fun things that you that you can think of that are kind of unique and different that um, would be worth uh, sharing? I will say yes. I mean, whatever it is that you have. For instance, I had a client who owned a hotel in Bali, and it's like, oh, we're doing a live stream from Bali. We can put your logo on that. Like anything you have, you can. It's going to be different for everybody. Um, and I just had a thought. And I, oh, and then earlier on, like in my very baby stages of online business, like I'm talking the month after I left my job in the music business, okay, my first ever offer that I launched, when I went out and I started launching that, which a lot of your listeners are going to be familiar with like a webinar or live challenge launch strategy. So I had a five-day live challenge with bonus days that ended up being nine days. And I worked so hard on that challenge. Like put anyone who's put together a live challenge, especially solo, <laughs> knows how much goes into that. And oh, yeah. I thought to myself, this I am paying for ads. I'm getting a lot of traffic to my website. I'm getting a lot of traffic into these webinars through paid ads. I can sell that to a sponsor. And so from I would sell sponsorship packages for my live launches for my course. <laughs> <laughs> that is so smart and it offsets the cost of ads and everything else and team and all those good things. That's really cool. Really, really smart trick there. I love that. I love that. Okay. Um, give some things to give me some things to think about. Even just like, I think about like having a, an email list, like we have, you know, a couple of thousand people on our email list. Like that's an engaged targeted specific audience. Like why aren't we sponsoring the email list? You know, so different, different things like that just pop in my head when I hear you share stories like that. Um, Awesome. Angie, I want to wrap this up. If there's any, um, we, you covered a lot of really good things today. I'm excited to hear that this comes out because I'm going to have send this to a few clients and we're going to take some notes on this. But if you could wrap it up in like one to three points, what would be your like next steps for somebody who has a podcast, who's listening and they want to just get started and see if they can land a sponsor? 
Oh, I would say the first step is to get that spreadsheet and get super clear on what brands you would even want to work with. And then once you filled out that spreadsheet, I would go through and if it were me and it was my first time pitching, I would probably start pitching the brands that I don't care about as much (laughs) and just figure out what kind of questions they have so that you can anticipate those questions and put the answers to those questions into your pitch when you go out to pitch your favorite brands, right? So it's always about anticipating needs and just giving them the answer before they ask the question. Um, So I would start sending out pitches to those tier three brands. Um, and then practicing your negotiation skills that way as well. And then work on your package, like really figure out what is it that you have to sell and make it really pretty. Like I always suggest for myself and my clients, we just do a one page PDF. You can make it in Canva, make sure your cover art's on there. Like I said, put the brand's logo on the cover art. If you're pitching something like a title sponsorship, just give them the visual so that they can see and really understand what it is that you're selling to them. And if it's the right place, right time, It'll work out eventually, but just have the patience would be my third point is just don't expect this to be a fast process because it's really not if you don't have a Rolodex of contacts in your back pocket. Right, right. That's a huge uh, kind of expectation going back to the beginning of this episode we talked about. I want to have an honest conversation around expectations and what it really takes. So thank you for adding that timeline piece in there. Um, where can people go and find you if they want to learn more about what you do and also your podcast? Make sure we talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, my podcast is called Podfluencer Society, and you can go to podfluencersociety.com. And my Instagram is at the Angie Griffith. And if you want to find all the things in one place, it's just podfluencerbrands.com. And that's my Be- Beacons Lincoln bio that has just everything you could possibly ever want. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm excited to share this with everyone. Thanks again. Thank you again so much for having me. This has been such a fun conversation. I can't wait for it to go live. Likewise. Hey, Lewis again. I hope you enjoyed that episode and I hope you took something away that's going to help you on your journey towards launching a top ranking podcast that get 100,000 listeners or more, ideally more. Now, remember the focus of this show is to help business owners launch podcasts that add more profit to their bottom line and more authority and credibility to their name. That's what we're about here on this podcast. Now, if that's you and you want help launching your podcast and getting it to rank in the top 100 of your category or your money back, then maybe my team and I can help you. But hold on. I do not want you to take my word for it. We all know that you can go on YouTube and learn how to launch a podcast. You can hire a million different companies and freelancers and consultants to help you. So I'd rather you hear from other business owners just like you who have gone through our process, gotten the results, and love what they have built. Check it out. Once I hired Lewis, he helped organize the entire show, the pre-launch, the contest. We had an epic contest, which is all Lewis is masterminding and uh, his whole organization of how to do that. We had over 107,000 entries into this contest. If you're thinking about doing a podcast, don't think twice because the investment is worth tenfold, not two or threefold, tenfold, tenfold for what you invest with Lewis. 
only a matter of a few weeks the podcast got launched. They also supported me through the entire launching process, how to communicate with my audience to maximize the results. And when it did launch within a few days, uh, we made it to the top 50 in two different countries. Uh, we get about 25,000 downloads a month and the podcast has literally completely changed my business. My podcast right now has 10x my business and that's not an exaggeration. When I started working with Lewis, I was making about 40K a month. Right now my business is making $400,000 a month and I credit a lot of that to the podcast. And then when they listen to one episode of the podcast, they'll listen to another episode of the podcast and then that cold lead will turn into a warm lead that turns into a hot lead that becomes my customer. Right now I have 775 active clients and a lot of those people found us because of the podcast. Luis Diaz is the man. He knows exactly what he's talking about when it comes to starting a podcast. He knows exactly what he's talking about in terms of getting your podcast to 100,000 downloads. Because right now my podcast has over 225,000 downloads and it's been about a year and seven months. I didn't just want to do a podcast. I wanted to do it the right way. We are at number two in the parenting category of Apple Podcasts the week that we launched. We're now hanging tight in the top 25. Could not have done any of this without your assistance, Lewis. Literally, I keep asking Lewis, like, how can I give you more money? Like, what else can we do together? Because literally working with you has changed my life. It's changed my podcast. It's bigger than that. It's changed my business. Lewis Diaz, badass podcast growth expert.